This is Jan Cox, talk number 2530, recording May 26th, 2000. I trust that some of you tried to pursue in a practical way what I was talking about last time, because I still tell you after all my years of doing this, what I tried to indicate to you in as few words as possible, while still managing to kill an hour, I still find that to be, after all these years of going back to it, the most profitable, the easiest, which I don't know about you, but I really enjoy that aspect. But uh, as I was saying last time when I was mentioning that my easiest, most efficient description was that you turn your attention on feelings rather than the mind, almost the opposite. Or it may appear to you to be just the opposite of what I've been talking about. And right at the tail end of our get-together, I repeated two or more times that I didn't want to say any more than that. Although I did add that caution that turning your attention on feelings had nothing whatsoever to do with you should know with stirring up any sort of hypochondria. But I do want to say one more thing about what it's not and what I don't want to say. You can't think about the fact that you're turning your attention on feelings much past that. Because it's not an analyzation of feelings. It's not that you turn your attention to feelings and realize, let's say, that, you know, I am still real tested about the way that woman treated me today in that store. You are a dead man. I have of late even pointed out that I wrote a little item in the news section, which I'm not the first to do, by the way. But I thought I discovered it and realized, as always, I didn't. Maybe I did. Maybe I'm older than I think. 3,200, never mind. That I pointed out, in my inimitable and humble way, that thinking, per se, was not the problem. It was emotional thinking. That it was not a problem of eradicating or even controlling thought. It's a matter of controlling emotional thought. Everybody remembers me saying that, don't you? Pretend you do. I've said that many times. If you heard me last time, then I was pointing out to you that all thoughts you have, by and large, there's some scraps laying around, little things that you don't even notice. There would be little exceptions, and I don't know why it would amount to 0.2% of your life. But the rest of the time, what you think about the thoughts you have are all emotional because as I tried to get you to consider without any doubt thoughts come from feeling taking feeling in the widest possible description of it that is the physical if you must put it that way the continual monitoring that our complete system does I can say the nervous system but you know by now you can't do it's not just the nervous system, but you've got the nervous and then indirectly the endocrine and everything else. It is continually monitoring you and your environment, which someday I'm still going to get around and I think maybe pop some of you people's eyes open if I can hold your attention long enough for a few days and get you to really consider that fact of how ludicrous that is. But it, that is the difference between you and the environment. The perception that there is any difference. But at any rate, your complete organism, feeling-wise, sensation-wise, is 24 hours a day, even while asleep, as you must know. It is monitoring you internally, physiologically, and it is monitoring your conditions, your environment. There are no thoughts 
lest they arise from feeling. So there's no such thing as a non-emotional thought. The closest it comes, I don't want to get all bogged in, as you can figure this out if surely yourself, but when you're bored, what has happened is that, for whatever reason, due to a very unchanging environment, due to you having nothing extraordinary going on physiologically, whatever thoughts you are having are far removed from their original feeling, their original passion, and you seek when you get bored, an ordinary person will seek some stimulation. They will stimulate themselves internally, eating spicy food, drinking, taking narcotics, I'm sorry, dope. Or they will change their, their environment. I'll go to a movie, I'll call a friend. I'll call an enemy. That's even more stimulating. I don't know why people never think of that. It's very seldom you hear somebody go, I'm bored, I think I'll call up a friend. I mean, if you're bored... Jesus, I just call up a friend because friends, most friends are boring. Call up an enemy. Call up somebody you used to hate. Call up somebody you still got a mental argument with after 10 or 15 or 30 years. The longer the better, call up and say, Uncle Fred, you know who this is, you sorry son of a bitch. I was just bored. I dare you to come over here. I dare you to come over. Just a thought. That's known as one of my versions of the contrary method, <laughs> contrary approach. Uh, all thoughts, the kind, when I say all thoughts, uh, I'll take my view again and you apply it as you see fit. I'm assuming that we all have something in common. But me and the other classical mystics, according to their literature, it is the thoughts the, the movements of the mind, the organs of the mind that are passionate, that is the thing against which mystics struggle. The very thing that they call being asleep, being distracted, being ignorant, being in the dark, is having your consciousness, that ability of the brain, as we call it, to think. The mind being the operation of the brain that thinks. The complaint is that it's passionate that it's prejudiced, that it picks and chooses. That's what's annoying. But that is ludicrous. To be annoyed at that, well, I say it's ludicrous. May I be permitted to say this? After being annoyed with it for, oh, let's say, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's ludicrous not to realize that all thoughts are prejudiced, prejudicial. That you don't have thoughts that are not emotional. And then for that to finally ring a bell. Hello? Ding? In your own head. And you think, well, that's very strange. I never noticed that before. I, I've noticed I've been struggling against them. I was aware of the fact, once it was brought to my attention and pointed out, I'm aware that I have been trying to stop all of my negative thinking. All of my hostile, aggressive daydreams, all my self-pitying daydreams. Jesus, I've been aware of it, but it never struck me. Lo, these many decades, it never struck me that every thought I have, constructively speaking, the thoughts that you really notice, every one of them are prejudiced. Every one of them are emotional. They may be long-range, they may be long-past, that is, the daydreams I'm having could be about my argument that I had with my Uncle Charlie 20 years ago. And the son of a gun is dead. So why do I remember it? It doesn't take a great deal once you catch on to it. Uh, you won't waste your time trying to analyze any more than one or two, but just you'll be aware of the kind of stuff that normally, your, your general repertoire, and you realize it is all. If it's anything, it's emotional. It doesn't matter whether it's you call it negative, aggressive, self-pitying, it doesn't matter what. You do not have, if the true definition, or one of the true definitions of intellectual is being objective, then you don't have anything such as intellectual thoughts. Not unless perhaps you're working the crossword puzzle. And I assume you know how people are. Chances are you're emotional about that because you're trying to beat your girlfriend or boyfriend 
you know, they're in the bed and they've got, they're, you know, you're both working on. I assume that you're a two New Yorker, New York Times Sunday, knowing how sophisticated you people are. So I was imagining both of you propped up after an early morning or Sunday before nooner and then laying there. At any rate, you know you'll end up being passionate about the crossword puzzle. There'll be a word you don't know, and suddenly you'll think about how your brother or your sister or somebody back in school used to be so good at this, and how, and suddenly you're being emotional while trying to think, what is a five-letter word for ignoramus? You can get emotional about it. The point is, you must know what I mean. Unless you were doing a math, working on a math problem, trying to actually solve some problem, you do not have an intellectual thought. People don't. When you pursue what is considered to be, uh, from a general view, intellectual endeavors, you pick up a history book as opposed to turning on TV. <laughs> Look at all that garbage. I'll read a book on history. Or if you're kind of in the middle, a historical novel. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Of course, that's kind of funny. If you ever get a correct view, is, you know, you look, and there's a section that's history, and there's a section over here that says historical novels. You think, why are they wasting putting, you know, <laughs> drawing out two different categories and separating them? But at any rate, reading history is not an intellectual undertaking. Reading a book on psychology, sociology, it's not an intellectual undertaking. If you are interested in reading it, you're emotional about it. The people who write it are emotional about it. History is not a, a mathematical, it's not a branch of mathematics. Even humans without realizing it have, you might say, as often as the case, have inadvertently done the right thing by coming up with the idea of hard science and soft science. Of course, what it amounts to is there's science and there's everything else. There's science and there's not science. That is, science is what I mean by science, and what generally they mean is really problem-solving arising from survival needs. But it's always problem-solving having to do with a, something outside the person, physical reality. And it always, it may be indirect, but it's not hard to see, it takes you a split second, but it always arises from survival needs. It's the only reason that people try to solve problems. People don't. The other problem solving is for entertainment, which nobody takes it seriously, like uh, doing a crossword puzzle. But the science is all based upon survival enhancement. It is all based upon, in the, at least, abstracting the manipulation of the environment, which the mind can do. But that is. Uh, that's the only thing that approaches non-passionate, non-emotional thinking. Everything else is emotional thinking. Every other thought you have from that view is a sleeping thought. And what really gets prickly and funny is all your thoughts about, by God, I want to wake up worse than anything in the world. But, we surely are to make an exception of that, aren't we? I thought if I did, I could make some of you do it. You know how it goes, you're not alone. Nobody did. It sure seems like it should be an exception. But that's the same thing as this situation. That if we said, as it has been said, and it could be said, which is the only way I can say it, which is the only reason, the possibility, that we could say the way to awaken is to be conscious and not have any thoughts. Now, that's about as plain and direct as you can get. Does anybody believe that that's possible? Let me rephrase that. 
Does anybody believe that you can do that? See, there's a difference. The problem is, if somebody told you that it's very simple, you don't have to listen to all this other bullshit, just don't think. Have no thoughts. You go, okay. And you're a dead man. Well, unless you find a trick. That's why I said it's, it's not that it's impossible, but it's the, the real question would be, the real valid question would be, at least in the beginning, and the beginning might be a lifetime, so amounts to, is can you do that? And unless you find some way to, and it's not in the words to say, do not, if you, be conscious, of course, I surely don't have to keep saying that, but it's to be a, a regular conscious human being and not think. You know, unless you have some reason to, but not to think, not to daydream, not to have, not to allow your mind to engage in thoughts that automatically appear. That's all it takes. If you can do that, you're awake, you're enlightened, and you'll see all kinds of things you didn't expect. You won't even worry about the idea about being awake or enlightened. You'll simply see things you'll see that you never realized, that nobody sees. But with just that information, you can't do anything with it. You have got to find a way to do that. Because you can't decide, I will not think. That is a thought-based decision. You say, well, I won't think. I assume all of you have tried it. I've been trying it off and on for decades. Not necessarily in those words, because I, for one reason, I look back now, and I was somewhat embarrassed of not being able to do it. I don't think I'm the only one, and so you come up with other explanations, other verbal descriptions of what you're trying to do. But I try not to lose my total consciousness over to the hands of mechanical, the mechanical flow of thoughts. Now, does that sound better than I can't quit thinking? If there's any validity to a person saying, well, this is my mind, these are my thoughts, and then someone says, all right, this thing of awakening, I know what it is. Here's what it is. You say that you're aware that you have a mind, you have thoughts. Well, yeah. All right. So you've got a mind. Yes. All right. Don't let thoughts in there unless you decide for some reason. Unless you decide willfully, purposefully. But if you decide, all right, I'm going to think about this. Or I'm going to think about that. Now, you're left with this. That if it's my mind, do I have no control over it whatsoever? Why do I naturally say, my mind? It's my mind. It's my mind. Well, Who's else is it? It's my mind. I'm not on drugs. I haven't been hypnotized. I haven't been turned into a latter-day Manchurian candidate. I'm not being manipulated by subliminal forces. I have a mind. I don't like blah, blah, blah. I don't like the way it's going. I don't like blah, blah, blah. And somebody says, do not allow thoughts into your mind. Well, who are you left with? If they said, do not let someone else put their hand in your pocket. You go, okay. Don't let people come up to you and slip notes into your pocket. I can do that. Don't let strangers come in your house. I can do that. When you're driving along in your car, I don't care how people beg or wave their arms. Do not let people come in your car. You think, well, I can lock the door. Keep, I can keep them out. Okay, I can do that. You can keep them out of your car. You can keep people out of your pocket. You can keep people out of your house. How do you keep thoughts out of your mind? And it's quite obvious that throughout history, there have been people that spent their whole life uh, sincerely, passionately, they, according to their accounts of it, attempting to achieve what they call enlightenment or awakening on the basis, although they don't look at it, but th the flaw is that they still think that they're working on their mind, on their consciousness, that there is a them in there that has a mind. That is why people will hear the idea that you would be in a different state of awareness, totally different 
if you could stop the mechanical, if you could stop all thought, keep it out of your mind, and only have thoughts that you allow in your mind. The only reason people fall for that, and everybody falls for it, everybody, is, I don't have to tell you everything. It's obvious why. I've told you at least 347, 352 times in the last count. If you don't see through, if you don't realize yourself, the absolute lunacy, the sheer, because it is sheer lunacy, that you have a mind, that you have thoughts, then when someone says that the way to awaken is not to allow thoughts into your mind except those you decide to allow. Some version of that, or they, they say, do not let automatic thinking occur. You go, okay, if that's what it takes, I'll do it. You're a dead man. You're not going anywhere. You got to what appeared to be the beginning of a race, and you let people take large cement blocks and tie them to your feet. You helped them. They put the blocks down there and put the, hand you a rope, and they said, all you got to do, I mean, since you say that you have a mind and thoughts, and you know what I mean, and they tell you, stop thought. Do not allow thoughts in except those you choose. They've laid the big, large boulders, cement blocks by your feet, and they hand you the rope. And they said, can you do that? Do you understand? You go, yes. And you took the rope and tied them to your feet. My method of taking attention away from the mind. Now, I'm going to talk about it, obviously, a little more. I still don't want to. There's really no feeling involved with this. It's not like, I don't you do this, just in case there's any chance. It's not like I'm saying that, well, one day, or, I, or you're supposed to realize, well, trying to turn the mind on itself, trying to be conscious of consciousness is a losing battle. And by God, I'm finally wised up, and shoo, God, no wonder I was worn out. No wonder I was going crazy. God, how stupid. Well, now I'm on the right track. I'm going to turn my attention on feeling. You're still dead. It's not that. As always, it's a trick. Since all thought, since the very things that, I'll speak for me, the manifestation, the condition that I do not like, that I have struggled against, that thing does not exist by itself. Thoughts. Daydreams. They are shadows. They're measurements. They're gauges. They're not even measurements. They're reflections of the measurements, the monitoring that feelings are doing all of the time. And when nothing particular is going on, which nothing particular is going on in most people's lives, most of the time, then it simply flips through the memories. It stays in practice. It keeps replaying old situations, projecting new ones, on the basis of situations that did or will have an emotional effect on them. So to turn your attention on feeling, to try and turn your awareness... Truly, it's nonverbal. It's not that you t say to yourself, if you have to one time, which if you tried to take advantage of what I said already last time, you've already been through this one way or the other. I guess at one time, well, I know at one time, you have to sort of say something to yourself. Because I say something to myself when I discover something new. So, ah, blah, 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 sort of. And so, I guess in some way you have to say to yourself, or you already have, all right, let's see if I got straight what he said. I'm going to try and turn my attention away from the mind instead of trying to apply it to the mind. I'm going to turn it on feeling. And plus he said, don't, don't think about feeling. You're not trying to analyze how you feel. and you're not. It's just turned on feeling. And he said he didn't want to say anymore that that was it. It just turned on feeling as opposed to thinking. 
after you've done it once, after you have an awareness of what you're doing, I have always found that it gives a freedom from chasing your tail of trying to deal with the mind, trying to deal with out-of-control thoughts, trying to deal with consciousness that by any reasonable observation seems to be out of your hands, seems to be being operated by some other force than yourself. Ha, ha. It becomes truly irrelevant. You're just free of it. And it's the easiest condition I have found to hold. And that every time you want to drift back to thinking, God, I don't know how to put it, really. It's just sort of, I just say the word feeling to myself. That, no, I'm not doing that, it's feeling. All right, I'll do it. I just did it, but I'll make sure you got it. I'm, this is somewhere close to the way I make it work. You're suddenly aware that you're about to, it's already right behind the door, it's about to come out, it's about to take over some daydreams about something or other. And once you get familiar with this, you're always aware that all of them are in some nature, or they are. They're either whining or they're aggressive in some way. You don't daydream about mathematics. So, I'm aware it's coming on. It's just right there. It's Surely all of you know by now, I, I used to use it commonly. It's like a noise right behind the door. That you're in a room and right behind the door, right behind you even, you hear just a little shuffling of feet. I can't believe it all of, by now all of you know exactly what I mean. It's no great talent. I don't see it. You can be aware of who's about to come in the room. It's like you can pre-think a thought without having to think it. You just, I know what's coming. It doesn't even matter. But anyway, I can, I can hear and feel the, whatever it is. And it's sort of like this. All I know thing to tell you is, it's sort of like this, that I remind myself, I am no, I'm not presently dealing with thinking. Feeling is all I mentioned. Just feeling. That's all I say to myself. I'm not doing that now. And it's not, I'm not doing that now. It's not, I'm not doing that. It's just, I'm not, it's a simple fact. I'm not doing that. And it's a simpler and simpler fact. The more you do it and realize the benefit, assuming that you realize the benefit, that all it takes is just, I remember, just sort of, not, not thought, feeling. And it just blanks everything out. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Sounds worth, it almost sounds New Ages or mystical. I'll tell you what, it gets the job done. And that was my little joke of running out here before I put on the tape and jumping up and hollering. Yeah. I don't know about you, but hey, I feel <laughs> eh, mostly empty. And I love it. Which, of course, is ridiculous because you can't be without feeling. But you can be without the affliction, if I may say so, <laughs> of your feelings having been turned into thoughts. If I may jump back to the theory of the model. But the only thing that interests me with all this, really, or why not, the only thing I want you to be interested in is to do it. And I'm not trying to prove as you know, and I'm not trying to prove I'm right. I'm not trying to prove my model is astounding. And I'm not trying to impress you that I came up with it. Try it. But I can't resist pointing out, you know, since you can't be empty of feeling anyway, it's not possible. When you're empty of feeling, you're dead. All the feeling to say that, my little joke that, I don't know about you, but I feel, to, right, I just feel <laughs> mostly empty. And I'm delighted. It's not inaccurate to say I'm delighted. Well, yeah, it is. I'll take that back because I'll mislead you. 
I'll put it to you this way. That emptiness is, uh, is better than being... It's better than being delighted. And it's better than being uh, irritated by it. To be free of... To be able to empty yourself of emotional thinking, thinking that has feeling with it, prejudice, but it has some feeling, some passion with it, some preference. To be free of that, all you've got is however you feel. I say it's not bad. And we're not talking about health, you know. If you've got ulcers, that's something else. All you can do is be treated for them or die from them. If you've got a brain tumor and it hurts, then, you know, either have it taken out or, you know, <laughs> prepare to beat the big neurosurgeon in the sky. Point is, you know, I'm not talking about physical pain. If you'll try it, it's going to hit you some way. And I think some of the model part, whether my, my explanations or my talking is having much effect, but you realize it's not just a quote, sleeping state of consciousness. It's just not the idea that man is asleep or I've been asleep and my mind is not my own and it's like a dog always out of the yard and I, half the time I'm bumping into things and I forget where I am and blah, blah, blah. It's very simple. All of that is a manifestation. All of that is emotional thought. All of that arises from feeling, feeling about which you can do nothing about which you do not want to do anything. Feeling without which we could not live. But once it gets into thinking. And at the present moment, the thinking, whatever the daydreams or thoughts you're having, have no pertinence to the instant conditions. That's what daydreams are. They're never here in the moment. Which is why the idea has come about so often, and even I repeat it, that you know, one sign that you're not awake is that your mind, your consciousness, is never in the here and now. And, of course, there have been all kinds of uh, esoteric groups, would-be mystical groups throughout thousands of years, that that was their whole premise, that you must live in the present moment. Yeah? But without additional information, well, without you discovering something on your own, to just hear the notion, you must live in the present moment, which, if you don't realize, is the same thing as saying, stop thought. Stop intrusive thought. Do not have thoughts unless you initiate them yourself. It's the same thing as saying live in the present moment. Because the thoughts that you do not initiate, the daydreams, remember, they are reflections, they're memories of feelings. But right now, the feelings have no pertinence to the immediate conditions. You're just sitting there daydreaming. Notice that you never daydream about the present. I used to tell people that, and I always thought, every time I'd tell a group of people or somebody, for the first few times, I always thought, well, as soon as I point this out, not just by itself, but like a night like that, I'd be talking to people, and I'd go, you ever realize, well, like I was about to do, and I'd go, that you never daydream. You never daydream. That is when you're asleep. And you're sitting there driving your car. And you are not awake. As us mystics call it. You are not fully conscious. You're daydreaming. You're asleep. Do you realize that you never, ever daydream about the present? And fool that I was, as I said, for the first several times I told people that, I always imagined I would... Wait, because I just thought there'd be people here and there in the room would go, my God, I got it. And I would be a Zenist after all. That I would have called someone to have their moments of enlightenment. But no. Nobody ever fell out. But it's astounding. Well, I got you laughing now. I don't know whether about that fact or just my theatrics. But you realize that no one ever thinks about that? I mean, it's just one of the most common things in the world, just a fact about everybody. What is more common to a person than daydreams? It's a common, it's a consistent as their heartbeat, as their breathing. And you ask people about the running of the mind. You ask them just a little simple question. Did you ever realize that you never daydream about the present? 
as far as I can tell, out of six billion people at any given moment on this planet throughout history, nobody has ever noticed that. And of course, me pointing it out, as I said, I finally learned my lesson, is that people, you point out something like that, and people go, huh. At best, they go, huh. You know, like this mildly. At worst, they go, so? <laughs> Which is not a bad reaction, if you want to go off on a sidetrack. You point out something that should be mind-blowing. You point out a fact that should, quote, wake a person up. You point out to them, and their reaction ranges from these two extremes. Either, huh, to so. Nobody likes that. This great, fantastic piece of truth, this metaphysical information, this secret discovery, let's say I've made and you present to somebody, me or anybody else, and you present to people, and their reaction ranges, covers the full gamut from, huh, to so. I mean, somewhere you're like a gnat's pubic hair with. But it's astounding. Well, it should be. And I don't, I'm not going to preach a sermon on it, but that should trigger. It, did, well, it should, well, I'll love you. Trigger, like. It's like an artesian well, to me, breaking through the ground, through, through your brain, and just suddenly it sends out numerous tributaries, just immediately. Just, they begin to run around. It just ties all kinds of things together to realize that you never daydream about the present. Somewhere along the line, I would have thought somebody would have noticed that, or I've said it before, and if it really hit somebody, I never made a big deal out of it. But if you'd have tra trailed along after that, I would have said that sooner or later you would have come to some discovery, some understanding of your own about how all ordinary thinking, daydreaming, is or does arise from feeling, that had its origins in feeling. And then you realize, or at any particular time when I'm not feeling anything of not that's notable, anything worthy of my conscious attention, or even anything worthy of my body's non-conscious attention, like I'm just sitting at home, you're just sitting on your chair looking out the window. It should hit you that you never daydream about that condition and that you there's no passion going on. And yet, on the other hand, all of the daydreams are always about past scenarios or imagined future ones that are passionate to you, that you do have a feeling about. And so how is it if thoughts arise from feeling, and that all my thoughts that are out of my control, the ones that naturally come to me, just it's like feelings staying in shape and making my mind continue to run through them and recollect, uh, refresh its memory of what I've done and so that I can know how to handle other situations in the future and et cetera. And yet as I sit here, I never think about now. And for somebody to finally realize that all this comes together and it just makes it clear as hell. Not that me putting it into words and some form of logic is going to make it clear as hell, but I'm saying if you had kept on your own, like what's strange? To realize that, well, it will empty you. It's the closest thing to a trick. I always told you that all my life I look for a switch. Uh, which I never did. I hope I never get any of you people upset or worried that there was one and I couldn't find it or that I had found it and I wouldn't tell you or anything. I, I don't know whether I should have ever said it, but I always look for some switch that I could throw once and for all. This is close. Almost the opposite of everything I've been talking about the last few years, that approach. I mean, that's the way it sounds, and you're not uh, misstepping to take it that way. But again, I say take it that way without feeling like, wait a minute, does that mean you realize that you know, you're going the wrong direction? I assume all of you are past that. It's just another approach. And every time I go, there's just not much you can say about it. I don't know why I can say much after this. You just do it. You're not struggling whatsoever with all. 
once you find that you can turn your attention on right, feeling, not thinking, just feeling until further notice. That's my new approach is I'm going to be aware of feeling. And if you find how to do it, by the way, you don't become aware of feeling. For those of you who didn't try it or hadn't been able to find the right way to do it, you don't become aware of feeling. See, that's the trick. Again, if you got a toe, you know, if you broke your big toe, you're aware that it was hurting before you started this. So we're not talking about that. If you got a stomach ache, that's neither here nor there. But in the attempt to achieve my goal, I am going to be aware of this is my present position. Across the board, until further notice, I'm going to simply turn my attention, my awareness. I prefer to say that attention, in case you catch on to what I mean. I'm just going to turn my awareness. I'm going to be aware of my feelings, of feelings, rather than thinking. I've been spending as much as possible 24-7 turning my awareness on my mind, on my consciousness. Without a doubt, to see to the bottom of the mind, to, to realize the nature of the mind is to be awake. No doubt about it. And so I'm telling you what's at the bottom of the mind is feeling. I mean, I'll save you the effort. That's the nature of thought, is feeling. So, you take the position, or I'm trying to give you some description, and I decide, well, I'm now back to my awareness is on feeling, not thinking. And that's it. But you don't become aware of feeling. See, if feeling could be aware consciously, you're back to thinking. It wouldn't have need thinking. Notice how I can tell you the truth about something. I say, well, that's the trick. And you'll still sit there. I'm not, no offensive. I know how it goes. And you'll sit there and go, well. Now, so you look thoughtful about it. I go, it's a trick. I'm going to turn my attention on feeling and not thinking. Because if you try not to, if you, if you take the approach, I am not going to turn my attention on thinking, you're stuck. You're right where you've always been. It's the same thing as, well, I will, I'm going to stop thought. I'm going to control my mind. I will not let uninvited thoughts end to the privacy of my brain chamber. Same thing to say, I am not going to be aware of my thinking. So, so you can't take that approach. The approach is, I will be aware of my feeling. No offense to thought. No offense to the effort. This is my present approach. It's feeling. And you find how to do it, and you don't become aware of feeling. But it gets the job done. Something else happens, but I'm not going to try to describe it. You can find it out for yourself, but... Other than the states that just fall upon people of being awake you know, some period of time, other than that, uh, I guess, really, this is the best thing I know to tell you. It's the best success I've had over you know, long range and doing this all my life. And I know, I don't know how vague it sounds to you. And I'm telling you, it's simple. I don't make it any worse. But it's just as you take the approach, the my new approach. And it's like you just completely drop all aspects of investigation concern about your mind and thinking. That's all I know to say. A few people on tape, I'm doing good New York hand gestures. Just, duh! Like, just throw your hands like, well, I shouldn't do that because you're not passionate. It's not like you're mad. Maybe you're mad. Maybe you're mad you hadn't had any more success. But as soon as you realize it, your madness will leave you and you're overcome with relief. But it's, the thing is, I am, I'm giving up for the time until further notice. I have no interest. My interest is not. My awareness will not be turned on my thinking, period. Just because I'm trying another approach. Don't get involved with, well, I wasn't getting anywhere. So you can't do any of that shit. It's just my awareness will be on my feeling. Several thousand years ago, somebody told people the truth. Somebody discovered for himself. One of the well-known that's popped up in several areas and several eras. 
that says several very but it says something like this achieving the state you desire is not difficult achieving the state of consciousness the kind of mind that you want is not difficult because all you need is a mind that does not pick and choose that has been said over keep the whole schools have been structured around that and it strikes people first time i ever heard it struck me I didn't know what to put. I still remember that it hit me just right. That it was just true. And I didn't know why I didn't, couldn't do it. But that a, an awakened mind is not difficult to have. It's not difficult to achieve it. All you've got to do is not have a mind that's picking and choosing. As I said in one viewpoint, see how stupid I was. I told you that just because of the way I'm not bragging that I was wired up, I have never... Far back, I remember had any concern that life was unjust, unjust, so that I wasn't arguing internally about life should be straightened out. So I had it narrowed down just immediately. I wasn't faced with trying to shovel, you know, like 40 metric tons of horse shit. That is, of trying to stop my mind from looking at life and going, well, you know, people shouldn't be Catholics, they should be Protestants, or people shouldn't be, you know, you know, that kind of shit. So it wasn't those kind of preferences that bothered me. In other words, I didn't give a damn. You know, more or less, I have never cared what the rest of the world did. didn't bother me. The voice in me, always whining and, you know, making smart-ass comments like all those ignorant bastards, fighting over religion, fighting over culture, you know, good God. See, all I had was internal shit. So in a way, I thought, well, I'm in better shape to start with. As I said, I see it now that I was stupider. Because if I was in better shape, how come I didn't do it better? But the idea that all you need to achieve the goal, to have that desired state of mind or consciousness, is have a consciousness, have a mind that does not pick and choose. And so I didn't have to worry about looking out there of picking and choosing. Thinking, well, I hope that the... You know, the Irish went over the British. I hope the Catholics beat the Irish or the Arabs beat the Jews. I didn't care. Didn't even interest me. So then I look in here, and the preference is, mainly my preference, and I assume most people's one way or the other, is criticism, which is a form of survival. I brought that up Wednesday. I'm not going to it. But criticism of other people is at heart survival techniques. But at any rate, there's the manifestation of it. But how to get the mind to stop picking and choosing? And you think, well, I just got to stop it. Next time I mind, next time I hear that, you know, one group of uh, one tribesman in some country are fighting another group because uh, somebody spit on the sidewalk close to one of their holy places, and as soon as I hear about, it, I go, Good God! Is this the 20th century? Am I on the same planet with these creatures? What kind of idiots? All right, I just won't let that happen. Well, good luck. <laughs> well, I just won't do it. I know it doesn't mean anything. I don't take it seriously. If they put me in charge of the world, I got no interest in that. If they won't kill each other, you know, go to it. In fact, I might chuckle which is one of the problems, because I would have a premise like, well, they're so dumb, let them kill each other. I think, no, there it is. That's exactly what I had to tell me. There is the picking and choosing of the mind, and it's that kind of shit. It has no basis. It's not based on reality. I have no interest. Why am I even doing it? And of course, most people never seem to get to the point to realize, well, that's not me doing it. I didn't decide to do that. Of course, you ever get that far, it's a short step. Well, it's, I don't know, about 15 billion light years from one place to another, I guess. But it's a short step to realizing, wait a minute. When did I decide to think any of the thoughts I had? Never. But at any rate, the idea that a mind would be awake or you would have an enlightened mind if you had a mind that did not pick and choose, it's the same thing as saying, well, don't think. But people never seem to realize that every thought they have is prejudicial. And if they got that far, they would surely then realize, wait a minute, 
prejudice preference is some kind of feeling. Because I don't have intellectual. Well, most people never see this. There's no such thing as an intellectual preference unless you're involved with problem solving. And then I hesitate to say it, but if you're dealing with science, then your preference is that the equation solves the problem you wanted. Or to put it crudely, your preference is when you get through and you're adding two and two, then you hope your preference is it come out four. But other than that, there's no such thing as a thought that doesn't have a preference. They all have preferences. And people never seem to realize, well, wait a minute, what does that say about thought? That the whole world classifies thought as one thing and feeling as another. Then whole schools of psychology built around, whole schools of philosophy. And unwittingly, there are divisions within the so-called mystical schools and communities throughout the years between an intellectual approach and an emotional approach. Everyone just accepts it. That thoughts are one thing and feelings are something else. They all have their place, you know, more or less. But you can't confuse them. They're separate things. They are and they're not. And people do not realize that on their own, the thoughts they have, every one of them, are prejudiced. Every one is a form of a preference. And no one ever asks why. So rather than dealing with the fact that, well... I've got to do away with prejudicial thoughts. You're saying I've got to do away with thoughts. Rather than do away with thoughts, turn your attention on the thing, the source of the prejudice. I'll be aware of feeling. That's my new approach. I'll be aware of feeling. And you're tacitly, of course, saying, I'm dropping thoughts to further notice. Just, i got no interest. That is not what I'm going to be aware of. I'm telling you it's that simple. Well, I'm telling you, take it that simply. If it empties you out and you don't like it, I'll give you money back. Because that's figure of speech. I'll give you damn feelings back. Right? I'll, give you something, I'll give you something new. If you come tell me that you did it and you, you've been empty all weekend, you know what I'm talking about and you didn't like it, then I'll do something. I'll, I'll make it right. See, I'll do something like, well, you goddamn idiot, you didn't do it damn right. See, I'll get you all upset and you'll be... That's what I meant by I'll give you money back. And then you can leave thinking, what the hell's wrong with him? He's lost his mind. <laughs> that concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.